Welcome to a podcast of Wyoming Chronicle, where we tell the stories of Wyoming in a weekly program of interviews with newsmakers, artists, innovative thinkers, and unique Wyoming personalities. To learn more, visit us at wyomingpbs.org. Wyoming native and New York Times best-selling author C.J. Box comes to the Laramie County Public Library and talks about his life as an author, Joe Pickett, of course, and his book, The Highway, which will launch as the series, The Big Sky, on ABC this fall. Our first question, did he drive to the library in a semi? Author C.J. Box, next on Wyoming Chronicle. Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support. And we're pleased to be joined on this Wyoming Chronicle with best-selling author C.J. Bach and Wyoming native. C.J., welcome to Wyoming Chronicle. Well, it's my pleasure. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to do this. Um, very challenging, like everything is these days, but I'm looking forward to it. We're really, really pleased that you're here, but I have to ask you, and we need to get this out of the way right at the start. You didn't drive a semi-truck here, did you? No, I did not. Um, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yes, I drove my pickup, but um, I think you're, you're, re you're referring to the book, The Highway, Yes. Um, about a, a, a serial killer truck driver. And um, in order to research that novel, I did hitch a ride with a pair of long haul truckers and met them in Billings, went with them overnight, ended up in Chicago and did a lot of research on, uh, on, you know, being on the road like that to use in the book. It's a creepy book, Chuck. It's really creepy. Yes, yes. it is. Yeah. Um, is it one of the darker books that you have written? I think the darkest. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple other sequels that come um, that are equally kind of as dark. But um, that one in particular, and I think it's I think it's affecting, I think partially because some of the story in the book is told from the point of view of the trucker. And I think getting in his head. And I think that kind of creeps out a lot of readers. I want to stay on that theme before we start to talk more about your career, because this has turned out really to be something special for you. In fact, it's been turned into a series that will appear on ABC this fall. That's right. Tell me a little more about that. Well, I'm going to sound like I'm doing a commercial. Tuesdays on ABC. There we go. Um, November 17th, it's going to begin. It's, uh, it's not called The Highway. It's called Big Sky. And the executive producer is David E. Kelly, who's done a lot of TV shows, Big Little Lies, um, Boston Legal, I think 13 or 14 different shows. And he's, uh, he, he's been trying to get it on the air now for four years, um, had a couple different networks. And then this one just fell together very, very quickly. And it's the um, only new drama on ABC this fall. They're shooting right now in Vancouver. And um, as far as I know, it's on schedule. What's your role then once one of your books, which is wildly successful, becomes a TV show and it kind of goes out of your hands? Well, you know, the way I look at it is um, I provided the source material. Um, I'm not on the set every day. I'm not overlooking um, every script. I, I can't. I don't want to. Um, I trust David E. Kelly. Um, I did read the, the pilot script that he did a couple years ago, and it scared the crap out of me. Scarier than I, your book. Yeah, I knew oh it was going, was going to happen, and it still was. So I know he does a great job, and um, 
because of if I went to Canada to the set, I'd have to quarantine for 14 days. So I'm not doing that. Neither is David E. Kelly, as a matter. So um, we'll be watching it when it comes out. You're a Wyoming native. That's right. Where'd you grow up? In Casper. Grew up in Casper on the east side of Casper. Mustang or a Trojan? Trojan. I was okay. a Trojan. I, I grew up in sight of Kelly Walsh High School. Okay. And went there and then went off to... Um, I edited the high school newspaper, and we, we won some real big national awards. So I got a um, journalism scholarship to the University of Denver. You're a pioneer. I was pi I'm a pioneer. And, and then from there, my first job was at the Saratoga Sun newspaper, which is where we now live again. And what did you do there? Were you a, a reporter, a sports editor, a small town guy that just did, oh, did it all? Oh, for a small weekly, you do everything. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you cover the, you get the police blotter, you go out and take pictures of the 4-H prize cow. Um, you know, I, I uh, went out and interviewed, you know, survivalists in encampment and, you know, saw all their guns and grenades. Got to do everything, but it was some of the best background and training for writing um, I think I could have ever had. And after college, there had to be an itch to write a book somewhere along the way. Take us through that. It took, uh, I call it my 20 year overnight success story. Um, <laughs> when I was a, a reporter uh, in Saratoga, Wyoming, I started, that's really the first time I started thinking about maybe writing a novel someday. Um, my interest or my background was journalism, uh, so it was a little different, different kind of thing. But I started thinking then about um, a story about, and at the time, um, that time in Wyoming, um, were when the black-footed ferrets were discovered after been thought long extinct, possibly. And when they were discovered, um, and I found it really fascinating when they were found around Matitsi that so many residents knew they were there all the time, but nobody ever said anything. And I thought that was a fascinating kind of commentary on the New West. And I thought someday I want to write this story, but it took a lot, a lot of versions. Um, a couple of uh, uh, manuscripts that are no longer exist to get there. And um, basically 20 years from when I started to when I finally got that book published, that was open season um, in 2001. It was the good Joe Pickett, the game warden as the protagonist. How long in that 20 year process did it take you to think of Joe Pickett? Ah, uh, you know, first, originally, uh, the first protagonist I think was going to be a local sheriff. And then it was going to be a journalist, which is what I was. Mm -hmm. And then um, I was doing some ride-alongs for the newspaper with the local game warden. And I realized that's the perfect vehicle for this story because a game warden is, um, you know, they're very heavily armed and they're usually alone in the field. And they would be involved in an endangered species type situation in their district. And I got to know more about how game wardens um, operated and what really a wide range of, of things that they did. And it was kind of just a perfect conduit. But it, it was never, I, I never thought this is the first book in a series. I never thought, you know, the world is waiting for a Wyoming Game Warden series. And I'm the only guy who can deliver that. <laughs> um, it just happened that way. And um, luckily the foundation set in that book um, still serves to this day. And it wasn't until um, Penguin Putnam, the publisher, said we would like three books with Joe Pickett, that it was a series. Um, some authors I know are thinking 10 books into the, into the series, this is what's gonna happen. I was never that strategic. He was in his 30s when you right. started writing about him. He's no longer in his 30s. No. You both have aged together. Yes, uh, I'm a little older, yeah. But um, 
in fact, a couple of years ago, I had, I, all of a sudden I realized I don't know how old Joe Pickett is. So I went back to the very first book, saw that he was, he, he said he was 32, and then tracked my way through the series, whether they were a year from the last book, four months back to back, and realized at that point he was about to turn 50. So in the book I just finished, he's 51. How long will Joe Pickett be a game warden? Do we I, know? You know, um, I don't know. At the, at the rate it's going, Joe Pickett should retire about the time I'm ready to retire. Have you thought about that? No, um, I have not. I, I don't, I never think more than one book ahead. And, um, and it's not like, it's not like it's real work. I mean, for me, it's so just, almost I love 30 it. books is not real work. I need to make a note of that. Well, I mean, it sounds I, like an enormous, it's not task. like cons working construction sure. or building a road. Sure. Um, you know, I, I go into an office, I, I try to do a thousand words a day, which okay. is basically four pages. And um, I'm pretty dedicated at doing it. And I, and, and, and I like to, I love to write the first draft. I, it's my favorite thing. And, um, but it's not like eight hour, nine hour, 10 hour job every day. Sure, sure. What's most important in a book? Is it the lead paragraph? Is it the cover art? Is it the title? What, what, what rings for readers? And what, where, what do you think has the most emphasis there? You know, it's, it's all of those things, really. Um, it, but I think it's really important, I still try to do this, is have the first page grab the reader, um, even the first paragraph, sometimes even the first line. Because um, I remember very early on, I think with the very first book, I was at a book signing in Hamilton, Montana, and a guy walked up, opened the book, my new book, first book, read the first line, closed the book, put it down and walked out of the store. It was devastating. Wow. Um, but then that didn't happen very often. So I, I always keep trying to do that. I know people have a lot of choices of books to read and other things to do. So I don't want to make it, any book ever seem like homework. He was a guy who looked at your book. Yes. And we teased this a little bit earlier about who reads your books. I think you've told me that 80% of folks who buy novels are women. Mm -hmm. What does your research tell you about who your readers are? Um, it's, it's about 50-50 men and women. And I used to tell my publishers that, that when I went out on the road, did book tours, that the audience was 50-50. And a lot of husbands and wives, sometimes dads and daughters. And um, I don't, they really didn't believe me because that, that mix didn't compute in, in the things they did, but they actually did a uh, focus group a few years ago and found out it was in fact 50-50 men and women, all different ages. That surprised you? It did. Well, it didn't surprise me because I kept telling them that was the case, mm -hmm. but um, they just assumed a book about a game warden outdoors, you know, hunting and fishing would not have appeal to women, and they were wrong. How about um, demographics of where people live? Is it primarily are your books more, more, more popular in the Intermountain West, across the country, across the world? What have you learned about that? I think per capita, they're more popular in the Mountain West, but we don't have a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, but they're, they're, but they, they do well everywhere, luckily, and I think for different reasons. But I, I do remember a few years ago, hmm. publishers were looking at numbers, and they called and they said, how many people live in Wyoming? And I said, no, 600,000. And they said, my God, they've all... They're, they're all buying the books. Um, so that's great, but it, it does, it's, it's everywhere. And I, like I said, for different reasons, for, I think um, for a lot of readers, it's a very exotic location. Um, Wyoming's exotic. Yes, and, and the lifestyle is mm -hmm. different. I mean, I always hear from international readers, you know, does everybody really have guns out there? You know, that kind of thing. 
So um, by giving that snapshot, I think it says, I hope it tells a lot about what contemporary Wyoming is like. Walk us through your day. You talked a little bit about um, writing in your office at your home in Saratoga in the morning when you first get up at different times in the day. How does it work for you? Um, it, you know, it has been all over the map. Over the, you know, the first 10 to 12 years, meaning 10 to 12 books, um, I was still working full time. Um, my wife and I was re were running a company in Cheyenne. So I was just basically snatching time whenever I could. I rode on airplanes, I rode in hotel rooms and overseas sometimes. Um, but now that finally things have gotten to the point where that's what I do, um, it's a lot more regulated. And what, uh, what I do is I always start with a couple of themes. Um, and I research those by either going to places, talking to experts, um, and then once I know the subject matter well enough, then I do a bullet point outline from the page one to the end. Um, sometimes those outlines are 40, 50, 60 pages. And then I, then I start writing. And um, I literally write on top of the outline. Yeah, so it doesn't mean I won't change or divert or even change the ending when I get there. But and does that, does that happen often? Do you find yourself? There's always a few things that happen that I didn't anticipate. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes the ending and, changes. And tell right me, there. is that at 3 a.m. when you wake up or when you're sitting there writing or when you drove to Cheyenne for the weekend or when, it when does that happen? It can be at any time. Uh -huh. you know, um, it, sometimes we'll be watching television at night and all of a sudden I'll pause it and say, I just, I just have to write this down for tomorrow kind of thing. Um, but then when I do go to write, it's not early, first super early, but um, I do write better in the morning. And my goal every day is a minimum of a thousand words. And sometimes it's three or 4,000 words. And then I just keep going. Every, a book is about 80,000 words, 90,000 words. So conceivably, you should be able to, I should be able to write a book every 90 days but I can't. My gosh, that would be a quick pace. Um, in the past, I think you've said that your goal is a book and a half a year. Is that still what pace you, you would like or has it changed a little it's bit? It's gotten a little bit slower um, simply because the standalone books, the Cassie Duell books um, are, not, are now going to be a year later than originally planned. Simply because the pace of a year and a half, a book and a half a year was getting to be a grind and I didn't want it to be a grind. I wanted it to be a fun job. Sure. So the publisher, a different publisher than the Joe Pickett one, agreed to extend that a little bit. You hear from readers, mm -hmm. you hear from critics, and I'm sure you get a lot of praise and some criticism. How do you deal with all of that, and and how do you do you grow from that? You know, um, you know, it, it has really changed over the years. First few books, I would, I was living and dying with every review. Um, luckily, most of them were very positive. I, I've had very few negative reviews ever. Um, but, you know, I know there's authors who read every single Amazon review. I don't anymore. I wait till there's about 20 and I see what the average of stars is. And I've now learned it's going to pretty much stay like that. Um, the new book, Long Range, has over 2,000 reader reviews and it's stated exactly as it was with 20. So I don't go through every one. Um, there's no book in the world that you can't go on Amazon and find a one-star review. You know, Moby Dick, is, this is a horrible fish story. I hated it. Who could really know? Um, so you can't get wrapped up in that. I think it's just, there's going to be a lot more opinions on the TV show that I, I, I know we've already heard some. Um, everybody's, everybody's a, a critic, but, um, you know, like I said, I wrote the source material and I'm happy with that. 
Back to the TV show. Cassie looks a lot different. She does. On the TV show than how you described her in the book. Is that hard for you or does that, you understand this part of the process? It's a totally different medium. Um, it's, it, it, you know, it's collaborative. I know that, um, you know, all of my lines are not going to be spoken. Um, there's, you know, there's not only, you know, screenwriters, but directors and the actors themselves who change things. So I know that going in. All I can hope is that, um, you know, in the aggregate, it's a, it's a good show and it drives people to the books. So I'm not going to get in the weeds and say, ah, oh, the casting, you know, I, I think it'll be interesting. Do you think you're getting better as a writer? I do simply because I've been doing it now for, you know, 21 years. And it's so much of it is in my mind, 95% of it is a craft. Um, and I think I've gotten better at my craft. And some of it's just intuitive where I know now, which I didn't know when I started, you know, by page 50, these things should have happened. Um, by page 100, these things should have happened. Every character should have been introduced. You know, th those kind of things that start to, be, start to come naturally after a while. What's that other 5% then? That's the part that I don't think anybody can teach in any creative writing class or anything else. And that is, the, that is really the creative part. You know, people often ask, um, you know, do you write when you're inspired? And my answer is, if I did, I'd be on book two. <laughs> but there, I, there is something that's hard to convey or teach. And, and, and that is the, just the creative part of how all the story elements come together. It's not a cut and paste. It's something that's it's hard to, to understand. I think it's a fair statement to say that 2020 has been a different year for oh, all of us. It has. How was it different for you? How has it impacted your work? And will we see a virus in a future book that might be talked about? I think nobody wants to read about this virus. <laughs> you and might I don't want right. to right. write about it either. Yeah. Um, my book, the long range, the last book that came out, came out on March 2nd. And um, as you know, March 12th, the world shut down. Yeah. And I was scheduled to do the book signing at the Larrabee County Library on March 12th. So I got canceled. And um, my publishers are going, oh, we want to cancel it. And I said, no, don't. I'm right here. They did it anyway. So th that got cut short. But um, there's a lot of bright spots, strangely enough. Um, it's nice not to travel. Um, I'm six months ahead in writing. I finished the last book six months ahead. The sales on it are astronomical because people are reading when they're not going doing other things. You found that the pandemic has increased readership. All across the board, all the past books, the current book, the present book, um, publishers agree. Uh, you know, especially eBooks because you, you, people can download them at home. And I want to and Audible and Audible books too. Yeah. And I want to talk about that when you started writing your your career, those things didn't exist. That's right. Does that also does that also impact your writing at all? based on how it might sound or might look on an e-reader or not? No, it does. You know, I've never listened to one of my books. Um, I know how it ends, so I sure. don't know. But, but um, it, the readers, as good as they are, always give the characters uh, uh, voices and inflections that aren't in my mind, so I don't want to get that messed up. But I know that's the fastest growing <clears throat> part of publishing is, is audiobooks because they're so easy to get. And so... You know, when you hear publishers complaining that Americans aren't, you know, aren't reading, and it, it's not the case. It, there's more books being sold in all of those formats than ever before in history. It might be people have a little more time. 
Yeah, they have more time, and there's more. It's easy, you know. Um, in rural areas, it used to be hard to get a book, even sometimes from the library, because if it's out, you have to wait. Um, but now you can get, you know, Audible and eBooks from the library itself. Does your family get the first crack at your books? Absolutely. I have my first reader is my wife. She gets it first. Does she get it along the way, or when it's done? used to be along the way? Now she she gets the entire thing. And I take her opinions very seriously and make changes if she, because she's, she's a better editor than I am. And then it goes out to all three of my daughters and they get it and they offer notes. And then it goes to my um, agent and she offers notes and I put those all together and give them to the editor. What did the daughters say when they saw the highway? Oh, they were creeped out. But <laughs> the, one, of the, you know, one of the inspirations for the highway was my youngest daughter who, had just driven over from the University of Wyoming to Cheyenne, I think it was over the Christmas, Thanksgiving break, on I-80, arrived at our house, I went and looked, checked her car, turned it on, and the check engine light was on. <laughs> if you've read the book, yeah. holy smokes. And I said, how long has this been on? And she said, don't worry about it, Dad, it's always on. <laughs> and I thought of all those truckers, and, oh. and it was like, Father's Worst Nightmare, and that's what I wrote. Oh. My wife and I travel to North Dakota often, and we often travel I-94, and I will never travel that highway with the same thoughts again, nor will I when I'm about passing a trucker <laughs> on an interstate <laughs> as well. Um, but um, are there other genres that you have any thoughts of getting into? I think my wife would wonder if you're ever gonna write a romance novel. Probably not. <laughs> I, wouldn't even know, I wouldn't even know how to start. Um, but you know, I, I have always been interested in maybe writing um, uh, a book, a, a historical Western um, set in the Mountain Men era. I've always been fascinated with that. I don't know Trappers if I'll ever do and it. All, yes, mm -hmm. um, Jim Bridgers and right. Mm -hmm. uh, my publishers aren't keen on the idea. It doesn't sound like a very mass market kind of thing. But maybe someday I'll do that. Curious how publishers impact what you do. Um, do you have free reign, or do they? Are there notes, do they kind of make a lane for you that you maybe wanted to go out of and had, had to come back into? You know, the only time that has ever happened was when I wrote the first standalone novel, which was called Blue Heaven. Um, totally not in the Joe Pickett series, set in North Idaho. Um, my publisher did, wasn't keen on the idea of me doing something totally separate. Um, what happened is another publisher picked it up. And so now I have two publishers which is very rare and weird. We've had um, CJ readers um, and viewers who have been watching us live streaming tonight good. send us questions to us, and we've got a good array of questions, and I'm not sure what they're all gonna be about, but let's go through them. Fire away. Um, this question is about your storylines um, and the similar events, and how do you um, have access to the inside working knowledge of the Wyoming game and fish, especially game wardens? What have you really done to, to learn that world, so to speak? I've done a lot of ride-along with game wardens. And one game warden in particular, Mark Nelson, who's based here in Cheyenne, um, I would go on ride-alongs with him, you know, quite frequently with my long list of questions, which he was happily to, happy to answer. And we've now become friends. We fish together and everything too. But um, for a lot of years, I would actually give him the manuscript. Um, when it came to regulations and some of the bureaucracy and say, did I get this right? Mm -hmm. And he would point out things that might be... The little details. Yeah, little details mm -hmm. that only a, maybe only a game warden sure. would know, but I do want the books to be as authentic as possible. 
Um, somebody wants to know about um, the lady uh, sitting next to you on the plane reading one of your books, and you're, you kind of notice that. How that, do you react? Oh, yeah, that was, I've had a couple stories like that. The first time, um, it was a man actually reading one, and I leaned over and I said, you know, would you like me to sign that for you? Thinking, you know, and he just looked out of at, the blue. Yeah. And he looked at me and he just said, no, he had no idea who I was <laughs> and it was too embarrassing. So I didn't follow it up. Oh, and, you um, should have. But later oh. I, I was, uh, my wife and I were actually flying to London to a, a book event there. And there was a guy two rows up reading my newest book. And I told her what had happened the first time. So I had to do this differently because you don't want to say, do you like that book? What if they say no? Um, so I waited till we landed and I walked up behind him and I said, hey, I see that you're reading my book. And he said, I bought this in Denver. He thought I was accusing him of stealing. <laughs> so it hasn't really worked well yet. Oh, there's going to be a time where it's going to turn out yeah. that it's going to turn out well. Hello from China is this next question. Wow. How did you conceive of Nate the Falconer? He's his favorite. Good, China, my goodness. Um, you know, people always assume that every character in a fictional book is based on somebody real. And in, mo in most cases, that's, in, at least for me, not the case. Nate Romanowski is the exception in that he's based on a friend of mine that I grew up with in Casper. He was a year ahead of me in high school, a Falconer, uh, the middle linebacker of the football team. Um, and I used to go falconry hunting with him. He had the birds. Very neat. And then he went off to the Air Force Academy and then to Special Forces. He's still around. He might be watching this. And um, that's where I kind of learned about the special world of falconry and the, the crazy people who do it. <laughs> this person went to a book lover's bash here about 10 years ago and says you told a story, a surprising story about your first agent. Can you reprise that story for tonight's audience, please? Hopefully I can do it quickly. When I had my first manuscript, the open season, um, this is pre-internet, pre-email. I had to physically, I found out there was an agent in New York who was interested in books from this area. So I physically sent the manuscript to him. Never met him. Um, he accepted it and then um, nothing happened. And it went on a year, then two years. And it, when I'd call him, he'd be very brusque in his New York way and say, um, you know, I can't place this book. It's too different. It, it's set in a place nobody's heard of. It's not really procedural. You know, quit, basically quit bothering me. So three years went by, nothing. And then finally, um, my wife convinced me to go to a, a conference in Denver where you pitch your books. Mm -hmm. And um, there was an agent there who was sort of interested. And he said, do you have an agent? And I said, yes, I do. Nothing's happened lately. And I told him his name and he just looked at me and said, you don't know he's dead, do you? And he'd been dead about six months. Oh, goodness. So, um, so you, know, you didn't again, have pre internet, pre I didn't know. Nobody <laughs> uh -huh, told me. Uh -huh. So uh, this story got around this writer's conference pretty fast. Uh -huh. and, but luckily, that's the writer's conference where I found my editor found me. And that took off from there. Well, CJ Box, your books are wonderful. Thank you. I've become a fan. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. I, I think, Don't judge me by the highway. Oh, my goodness. It was, my wife will tell you, I couldn't put it down. <laughs> I drove through that book in about three or four days. It was just, it was a page, it's a page turner. But um, thank you so much for my a, a couple of things, for taking the time out to support the library and for joining us tonight on Wyoming Chronicle. Thank you very much. This was fun.
Funding for this program is made possible in part by the Wyoming Humanities Council, helping Wyoming take a closer look at life through the humanities, thinkwhy.org, and by the members of the Wyoming PBS Foundation. Thank you for your support.